0: You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, player.fm, soundcloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the amazon.com or fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show!
1: Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson. Back in front door, shot, scores! Bobby
0: Great work
2: circle to the right of Reggie Lemelin, buying it down, and Whitmore blew it.
0: He bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot. Over the gets loose, and Bergeron scores.
2: Hey, everyone's fans. Welcome back to episode 82 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast in partnership with Grandstand Sports Network, the best view in sports. Um, Court, Rob, welcome back, my friends. How how, how was your week?
3: Uh, mine, mine's been good, other than I think I had food poisoning yesterday. Oh, I Jesus. The day on the toilet. So that was fun. Sounds but nasty. Other than that, it's been good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, a little too graphic. Yeah. Well, I, I, I found out that um, we have like an American diner in the town that I live in, and it got new management, so I was like, oh, let's go try it out, and that was a bad idea. Yeah, so, yeah.
4: Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, how are you guys doing this week? Well, I got tickets to the next Bruins Leafs game on February 23rd in Toronto, for free from a wife's friend, which that is awesome. And in that same day, I got to wear it with my head high today because the Boston Bruins beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-1. Oh, it just feels so good. <laughs> it's, I, just, it's just been, It's been so long for me. It's been like, and I, I get chirped, and I'm always like, well, it's been two years, yes. But it, it's like they forget about the record before when I think the Bruins had won like 11 in a row against them. Plus, you know, the obvious Game 7 where they sucked and we won. But yes, the Leafs have owned the Bruins. Frederick Anderson, I think that's his first loss in 10 games to the Bruins.
2: Yeah, I yeah. believe so.
4: But, no, that's his first loss ever to the Bruins. Yeah, it was ever. perfect 10 on all, yeah. Jesus. So that must be gutting for him. And if you look at it, I tweeted it last night, you know, the Bruins did technically score every goal last night.
2: Uh, my week was good. Uh, long week. Um, lots of overtime. I got to eat it up as much as I can. Um, but uh, it's good. I put some uh, money down on some new equipment for the Beers and Bruins podcast, which is going to be happening very soon. And yeah, we get a, we get a nice lineup of uh, topics to talk about today. We also stay tuned after our program, our Irish our, our show, uh, as I welcome. Um, friend of the show colin bestwick uh, nhl writer for sb nation stanley cup of chowder so i'm looking forward to talking to him um uh and i also just have to give a shout out to uh fellow co-workers aaron krista and my boy dave those guys have been uh really pumping the tires of the show they love us and it's starting to get uh more popular in my plants of 160 employees so you know we love listeners
4: so, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, if I pump the tires to my friends, they they tell me to push sand.
2: <laughs> You're just in the wrong area, my friend. 100%.
4: <laughs> I was I was having a party at one this morning. Fuck uh, oh, sorry, my wife. My, my father-in-law, actually, quick story. My father-in-law sent a text last night and chirped and then called and then chirped again before the game even started. <laughs> and I said to my wife, I'm not going to say anything, I'm going to let it go, and that at seven thirty this morning, we called him to make fun of him. all fantastic.
3: <laughs> oh,
2: the family trips—you gotta love it. All right, uh, let's just get right into it. Um, as always, we start with the the the, the games prior to last week. Um, I wasn't very impressed with the effort that they gave um, against the Anaheim Ducks. Um, it happens. I get it. There's going to be one of those games that you know it's just. This doesn't work out right. But I was really looking forward. Most of all, I was just really looking forward to that, like tying the franchise record of uh, consecutive games with at least points. But it is what it is. Um, I wasn't thrilled with Anton Hudobin's game. And one of the reasons why I wasn't thrilled with him in that game, and and as a goaltender, Rob, I'm sure that you can can follow up with me on this one. Uh, It's tough to... <clears throat> to get new equipment broken in mid-season. And he was using a brand-new glove, and you could tell that he was he was uh, struggling with it.
3: Yeah. That, those things are the... Like, the glove is the worst thing as well, because the bounce inside the pocket when you first got a brand-new glove, every time the puck hits it, it just bounces back out. Yeah. It's very hard to snap it close, and you could definitely tell that was happening. And but he as well, he, for me, Hudobin has these games where I think he goes for the big flashy save a bit too often. Um, and it, sometimes it works out, don't get me wrong. There's, the goal is to pull it off all the time. But sometimes you look at it and you think, if you did just stay in Butterfly there and not try to roll around, you do got it. So
2: the, the one thing for me was is he refused to wear his, his broken-in practice glove. Yeah, I mean, it's his decision ultimately. He's the guy that's out there playing. I'm not. I just, I just saw some things that I just really did not like in his game um, on that
3: Tuesday night. So, but oh, move. At the you same know. time, he's he's like stole the show for the last what three four weeks. of been the backup. So yeah, one
2: yeah.
3: One bad game, we can't really.
2: No,
4: yeah, absolutely. I, I, was, I was gonna say I play devil's advocate here. It was just one game.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, totally. Yeah, totally. Believe,
4: uh Elliott Freeman of the uh, CBC Hockey Night Candle last night said that the Boston Bruins are the top team to beat right now in the NHL. Yeah. Oh, I love they, that. They looked at the stats and they were all laughing. They're like, you know, it just stuck up on you. And you just look at it. And you look at Tuca's stats. 20 games. He hasn't lost since people had Christmas lists. Yeah.
2: Very true. Um, and then Thursday night was uh, – a. Um, a game that I thought that the Bruins would have would have lost actually, but uh, came in and put in a solid effort against uh, a very good St. Louis Blues team. I thought that game was back and forth, um, uh, a lot of east to west action. Uh, you know, it, it's it was a good game overall. I and. I'm I'm impressed. I mean, I'm definitely impressed with the way this team looks, and it just got even better on Saturday night with a with a another home victory against the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, courts coming out party.
4: Oh yeah, it was it's like the greatest thing. Everybody <laughs> called it the statement game. I'm like, okay, you know, everybody's been saying they don't win big games. They haven't been doing this. They destroyed Montreal this year. Yeah, they lost to the Leafs, but I, I said it before. The last time we played them, we were we weren't the club that we are now we didn't have the players that we have now and i'm not making excuses but i kind of am I, I said to mark at the beginning of the year it's like it seems hurt there's a lot of hockey left i even compared it if you remember i did the article where i looked back in the stats and the year they won the cup they they were terrible at the beginning of the year that year yep. and then they just started getting on a roll and they, they seem to done it again and patrice bergeron is uh playing like a heart trophy candidate
2: yeah, that's that's exciting to hear too. You
4: he got Pasta. He's got <laughs> ten points in the last eight games. You got Bergeron. He's in the last fourteen game fourteen games. He's got twelve goals, eight assists. Jesus, right? Twenty points in the last fourteen games for sure. Bergeron. When have you ever said that?
2: I don't remember him having a year like this, and and in his early thirties. I I didn't expect this. I. I what I did expect is to him to be that that two hundred foot center, that is that offensive defenseman, off, offensive defensive uh, style, but the point production that he's been going through, like you said, in the last fourteen games, has just been phenomenal, and he's just he's just expressing his leadership through his play, and it's it's so awesome to see. I said on Twitter the other night, it's it's like poetry, it's watch it's like watching poetry, it really is.
4: Well, they, if you look at the team right now, you've got Bergeron, and they were saying, even on in the hockey media here in Canada, they, they were saying, if you, you would take Bergeron in your top five, if you're starting a team. He'd be a top five pick. He's that good right now. And they also were saying how, and he is, if you look at it, he has the best contract in the NHL for value. Far none. And it's not just him. If you look at it in that St. Louis game, that hit that back is made at the end and the effort to score that empty net goal was unreal and the way Chara's been playing, if you look at it and the way Crazy's been playing it, what do all four of those players have in common? They got a letter on their shoulder. Right. And they're playing phenomenal. And they're the ones that are leading out there. And you've got you've got Bergeron on one line, you've got Bacchus on one, you've got Crates, so you've got this leadership. And then you've got Chara leading that back end. At forty years old, he's second in the league in plus minus. Crazy. Did anybody see that coming? Not Did anybody?
1: No. Nope, mm-hmm. I didn't
4: And anyone that says they did,
3: no. (laughs) I've seen so many people saying they called what's happening this year with the Bruins,
4: and I just think back and go, no. No, even Sweden said himself, right? He was like, I I thought it would be two more years before we got to this point. But you have so much, like, Jake DeBras plays so well. I think they finally found a player to play with Krejci. Mm
2: -hmm. They
4: play so well together. They pass that puck around very well.
2: Yeah, they definitely complement each other. So Spooner
4: as well. Spooner yeah, Spooner's actually. been playing amazing. Yeah.
2: Um, the uh, games coming up uh, this week, uh, it's, it's, the month of February is, is a little spread out, but it's very condensed, if, if you can understand what I'm saying. Um, next week, they start their first uh, back-to-back of the month uh, on Tuesday against the Detroit Red on the on the road. The New York Rangers on the road Wednesday night.
4: And in that Rangers game, Marchand's back. So it's like a, it is a back-to-back, but it's almost like a, a boost. Because right. you're getting a player jump back in the lineup. It's like doing a trade, a trade deadline.
2: And then to end the week uh, on the 10th, Saturday at 7, uh, the Bruins come home to host the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, so <laughs> definitely a week that, that, it can produce, but also a week that they can t- get their rest because they got two two days of rest. Then they go to the back to back two days, and then they play Buffalo, and then mm-hmm. the rest the rest of the month is pretty much a favored, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday kind of schedule.
4: Yeah, two weeks in a row, they got three days off.
2: Right, it's amazing. But also, I th- I kind of think this is important to have a schedule like this. And I'm not saying the league did this on purpose. Right. You have the trade deadline, right? You do have the trade deadline coming up, but also if you look at the uh, the month of um, of March, you're playing oh. every other day of the month, literally every other day of the month. So get the points now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get ahead, which I mean, the, right now it's just crazy not to think that they can secure a playoff spot. So so you have a
4: 99 percent chance of making the playoffs now. 99.6, yeah. This morning or something like that. Yeah. So
2: I mean, everything's pretty much lining up right now. It's just how they they uh, construct themselves and and practices and so on and, and prepare for the for the rest of the season, which in in my surprise has gone by way too fast. I I swear to God, I thought it seemed like a couple weeks ago we did our first episode of the season.
4: Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the schedule. I'm like, okay, I'm going to the Leaf game in two weeks. And then two weeks after that, I go to two games in Boston. Right. Wow. Three games in two weeks. Oh, that's going to be terrible. (laughs) Sarcasm.
2: Oh, yeah. Big time. And
4: I get to go to the game right after the trade deadline. So hopefully there's uh, some new bodies. But also, with, with you saying that, with
3: the three games that are coming up against the Rangers, the Sabres, and the Red Wings, That's three scouting games for teams that are going to be selling as well. So that's another good thing to look forward to.
4: And also with the defense playing the way they are and that schedule coming up, it's going to be phenomenal that they're going to be able to rotate people in. Like someone suggested to me this morning on social media, maybe sitting char for a game. My answer was, you know, let's like make him make that decision. But maybe, just maybe, Because of this rotation, we have McQuaid and Miller. That's obviously going to be the rotation because I think Carlo is not coming out of the lineup. It's only those two players. Um, Maybe Charis sits a game later on in March when we have a game every other night. Maybe they take a cue at a basketball. I don't watch it very often, but someone was using this as an analogy this morning that uh, in basketball they sit players near the end of the year to make sure they're okay for the playoffs because the last thing we want... Is a first round like we had last year where everybody went down in a matter of a week.
2: Right. So uh, the the way the Bruins are right now, after 50 games, they have 31 wins, 11 losses, eight overtime appearances for 70 points. That's five points behind Tampa Bay. Uh, the goal differential has – every week it seems like it's climbing in an They're impressive
4: fourth, fourth fourth in goals per game.
2: Yep. Uh an impressive home record, um, which we'll definitely talk about later on at eighteen six and four and an even better away record at thirteen five and four and in their last ten games they're eight, one and one. So um so with that being said, it, i they're I, kinda good, eh? Yeah, yeah, they're they're yeah. scary good. And this was this was scary good research that I did but uh the bruins have points in 30 games dating back to i didn't write the date down but it was the it was back in november when the uh bruins and and the maple leafs had the friday saturday back to back so it's dating back to that saturday um and they've only lost in regulation five times so that was a stat that i i really wanted to uh, bring up because that's that's just that's impressive it really is. Um, even more impressive is the uh, like like we we did talk about Chara a little bit, but uh, fourteen hundred games on Saturday night last night against the Maple Leafs. Um, what a career, huh? Yeah,
4: he could um, be. Someone made a joke last night. He could be the father of some players in the league now.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, he was talking about in the interview before the game about his kid and. Uh, like how he wants it. like seeing him playing in the league and everything and whether he wants him to be an NHL player. And that was that was good to hear because can you imagine Chara Jr. just being there seven feet tall? <laughs> yeah, yeah that would be a, a good guy to have coming up in the draft. But it, it's just amazing how humble he is as well as a person. Like he knows that accomplishment is a huge one, and he's still
4: like just so humble about it.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah, he's been a different guy this year. He's uh, like I think we said last week. uh, He's on social media now for the first time. Uh, He's he's talking more. Like I know he does his interviews, but he seems to be um, putting himself out there a little bit more.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um,
4: and in any interview you hear with anybody, um, like Schaller last night, we were in that Chara T-shirt. I must get one. If any that, of the listeners you know where you can get one, let me know. i got to get that T-shirt. Um, that was just awesome. It seems that every player on that team, as much as everybody wants, Bergeron the captain, and I've said it before, doesn't matter what the letter is on your sweater, they're all captains. That leadership team of Krejci, Bracus, Bergeron, and uh Chara are the reason this team is playing because every game one of them steps up it's one of them that does something it's yes. awesome
2: the, the the thing for me and and i what i'm seeing more and more of um and it, it, it is a small sample size for bruce cassidy's tenure in boston but we're seeing the message that they're delivering being accepted and 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 they see a plan moving forward um, which I don't think the message was, I, you know, I'm not, we, we're not in the room. We don't understand what goes on, especially what happened with, with Claude Julian. But it just didn't seem like they were all on board with his vision. It seems to me now that with Bruce Cassidy installed as a full-time head coach, that that mission is now being accepted and they want to be a part of it. So uh, I'm hearing cohesion. I'm hearing leadership. I'm hearing, um, you know, they're playing for one another like they haven't been in the past. So this is all positive things moving forward. Not only for the the success of this year, but for many years down the road, it's it, this is going to be a time to be a Bruins fan and 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 really read into what the organization is going to do as into like m- making a serious run. Uh, for uh, Stanley Cup on a yearly basis, I'm not saying that they're not going to, you know, get to that point this year, but to have those exp- uh, you know expectations or or goals every year, it's going to be exciting to see, and I love it. So um,
1: it'd be
3: awesome to see Chara retire with another cup.
2: Oh it'd yeah, absolutely.
4: Nice um, well, it's just like in the game last night. My two biggest takeaways were, uh I'm sure you guys probably would have saw it, there was the hit. There was the shift where Chara pinched, did huge check in the corner, and that's when Heinen was able to steal the puck, and that was the first goal. And then two seconds, two shifts later, he has that shift against Matthews and annihilates Matthews in the corner. And then you had, in that same shift, you had Bergeron do that back check out of nowhere, and he came in, and I think it was um, – Van Riemsdyk, he was uh, almost getting the breakaway, and Bergeron came back. Didn't get a penalty. Stole the puck off him perfectly, cleanly, and came back. It was those. It was just in that like five minute span where I was like, "Wow, the Bruins are just dominating the Leafs." Yeah, yeah.
3: And to say that they're the Leafs have been fast and young, and, and it, the Bruins are still keeping up with them with veteran core players. Exactly. Hilarious.
4: It was. It was Bergeron and Chara. If you think about it, like Bergeron scored that first goal, and it was Chara that pinched to, yeah. to start the whole play. And and that's what that's what's been happening since they started winning again. It's been, you know, if you remember when the streak all started, we were saying how great Krejci was playing, and he was playing it. It was playing playing better than we've seen him play in a long time. And then all of a sudden, we were saying Backus is playing great. It seems to be a new guy stepping it up each week. Yep. Yeah. Like, Marshan was out of this lineup, but half the fan base was like, well, it's over. You know, we lose to Anaheim. They're like, oh, we're not going to be winning no more. Life's over. Well, no, it's not. Um, The team's winning without their best winger in the lineup. One of the best players in the league is not even playing, and we're still winning. Uh,
2: The return of Charlie McAvoy uh, last night was, um, uh, I believe it was a little early. Um, I thought they were going to say he was two weeks, but, um, he, that,
4: is, that was two weeks.
2: It was two weeks.
4: Yeah. That's what I said from the beginning. As soon as this happened, I said, he'll be back against the lease.
2: Oh, you did say that yeah, actually. I, I do remember yeah. that.
4: I, uh, like I said before, I've had this surgery guys. Yep.
2: Yep.
4: You know, when you're ready and if it wasn't for the incision, he probably <laughs> would have been back earlier.
2: Yeah, which um, which I found out um, through my research and f- uh, further into the topic, it wasn't as much as the the procedure itself. Yeah, it was the they were worried about infection.
4: Yeah, you you just got to make sure because think about it, he's going to be sweaty equipment, all that kind of stuff, and want to make sure there's no blood clots, all that kind of stuff.
2: Right, and as as many people know, if they you know you're a hockey player. Or have a, a family member in the hockey world. Um, <laughs> the equipment, the equipment can, stinks, man. It stinks, it and stinks. it carries a lot of nastiness. So Marian
4: um, doesn't play in the league because of his equipment.
2: Right. So, but no, it's good to see him back. Uh, unfortunate about that one goal last night. Can't blame him for that. It was just a, you know, just a mistake. But it's good to see him back in the lineup. And getting back on uh, the top uh, defensive pairing with Chara again. Uh, And it seems like the lines are really settling down on the back end. So uh, I'm glad to have him back.
4: He looked rusty, though. He did look rusty. to be honest. That was the first time I ever watched Charlie McAvoy and go, maybe cut his ice time a little bit. I think he was gripping his stick a little tight.
3: I think he was just trying to do a lot of it himself. Yeah. But, yeah. And there was... Like, when that goal happened, and he tipped the, tipped the puck in his own net, you could see how distraught he was. Like, you could see how pissed off with himself he was. But then, another good thing, Tuka Rass went out behind the net to talk to him and calm him down. And then he looked better than anything after that.
4: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he gave was, him that
3: little uh, pat on the butt. Yeah. And it's just one of those things, like... But remember, Tuka, of Tuka, Tuka are, hates teammates. Yeah. All three of us have played hockey. All three of us know there's times where you do one thing wrong and it it ruins your whole game. Like it pisses you off to the point that you might as well be off the ice. 100%. It gets in your yeah. head, right? Yeah. And like that happened last night to him, but he's that good a player, he managed to snap out of it.
4: Yeah. And and that's and the and best thing about it. I'm not saying he was terrible. I'm saying for Charlie McAvoy, it was his worst game. Oh, yeah. And that's... <clears throat> That's um, you know, par in comparison to any player in the league.
2: Um, Austin Zonic uh, got the uh, call up uh, from Providence, and uh, he was doing a, a point. He's a point per player uh, down in the AHL, point per game player in the AHL, and um, deserved the call up regardless of how long. Uh, and he was sent back down today, as the team announced. Um, but I thought he played well. I thought he played really well, assisting um, on the crew goal. Uh, nice pass for a one-timer. Um, my, my question to you guys is, he's coming up on... Um, he did sign a one-year deal. It was a two-way. What does the organization do with him this summer? Because, I mean, in my opinion, I'd love to see him stick around as that depth player. But with so many other players coming up and knocking on the door of NHL careers I I don't know where he's going to land and it's sad for me to say that because I really enjoy watching him play
3: I honestly think he's going to play the fourth line center role next year I think he would be there now but clearly can't hold the first line in the AHL he's not that type of player to play first line minutes in the AHL um He's like a rough player, so he can play the fourth line in the NHL. But you need that playmaking centre for the first line. And he is kind of the Bergeron of the AHL. He plays all 200 feet. He can play offensively or defensively. So I think the only reason that he's down there this year is because of that reason. Um, I think he'll be up next year. I think... you. We've all been talking about the fact that a guy like Schaller or a guy like Nash could be gone next year. Um, and him and JFK can fulfill them roles if they're ready. I think Zornik is ready, to be honest. But I, it, it's good for them to get the time in the AHL. Plus, it can only increase his
4: value if you want to trade him off. Yeah, they, that line played great. I think anybody who's played on that fourth line so far this year has played very well. He seemed to elevate Vetrano's play. That was the first game where, uh, at the beginning of the game, I think I tweeted in, like, oh, this line's not going to get a lot of ice time. They were at their—Cassie was using them in a lot of different situations. They played very well. Um, Corrali, unfortunately, didn't have a great night at the face-off, though, but uh, they played well. Um, I, I still have my doubts of Schaller playing up in the line. He's playing on right now, but it just is what it is. Just got to plug him in. That's the best part about this team right now. The depth they have is Crazy. I don't see Betrano being back at all in any way, any fashion. Um, so Zarnik can, he could be that guy. He could be our extra forward that you're going to be plugging him in until we figure out what's going on. Yeah. Like Rob was alluding to, we don't know if Nash and Schaller are going to be back. I have my doubts that Nash will be back. Um, maybe Schaller because Cassidy seems to like him a lot. Um, but I do see Zarnik being in part of at least bringing him back for on a two-year deal.
2: Yeah, and and like you said, regardless of what happens with Tim Schaller and and Frank Petrano, those spots could easily be taken up by a player like um, uh, JFK and Zarnik. Uh, so I I totally agree with that. There's so many options with with having developing depth like like the Bruins have right now. You can insert any of these guys at a moment's notice, and they might not produce great in their first game due to nerves and and jitters, but um, you know, this their participation in, in <laughs> camps and 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 in professional environment. You know, they're more ready than a lot of people think they are. Um
3: yeah. and we're all forgetting that Baleski is down in the A8 channel as well. That's yeah. a buyout. It's happening. I, I'll, put, I, I'll put money no. on it. I wanted to definitely buyout. I wanted to yeah, write an article. Can't, yes, well, why can't they buy him out? Because you can only buy out two players at a time, and. Doesn't Hayes buy out run into next year? Hang on so a second, I'm on. I'm on that oh, no, okay. friendly right
2: now. Jimmy Hayes. I think you're right. Jimmy Hayes has got next year, and Dennis Seidenberg has 1.1 million left.
3: Yeah, yes, so he can't can buy him out. Yeah. Wow. So he's sticking around, and I'm guessing if he gets the time in the AHL, he's going to get
4: so time h- in the NHL. Hindsight's 2020, and they should have packaged Subban for Vegas to take uh, um, Bolesky at the expansion draft? Mm. Give him Colin Miller and that. No, but no, I'm saying here, you can have Colin Miller, you can have Subban, but you have to take uh, Bolesky. Yeah.
2: And and he has not played well in Providence. He's got three goals. Um, I thought he'd be a lot better player. Um, He is that leader type down there, but if he wants to ever get a sniff of the NHL again, especially with the Bruins organization, that individual needs to step it up. And, and I'm, he did get hit in the face with a deflection. Um, I get, I think it was against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. He took a puck right in the eye, uh, broke his orbital socket. Uh, so he looks like he's in rough shape and he's, uh, I believe he just got cleared on Saturday, yesterday to, um, take the uh the full uh clear cage off so i he he's he's gone from a third line player down to a fourth line role player um and i i just i His don't confidence is gone yeah and it's sad it really is and 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 i wanted to write an article about this and i backed off on it because every situation that i was i was going through i'd write four or five paragraphs and every one of them sounded like I was an asshole that was just like bringing the guy down and i don't want to do that the guy does work extremely hard he's just going through a certain time of of struggles in his life right now and 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 the, a lot of the research that i was doing is, is you know he was very good friends with jimmy hayes jimmy hayes everybody knows is a local kid that grew up in the massachusetts area in dorchester whatever And, you know, and Matt Bolesky saw a lot of the stuff that went on with Jimmy as they were best friends. So I'm kind of under the impression that he's just like, I really don't like Boston.
4: Which I've said it before. You know, a lot of players won't come to Toronto um, just because like Jude Doughty was the one who got quoted this summer saying he's not coming to Toronto just because of where it is. Right. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The fans sometimes are a little and, you know, I'm including myself in a fan, but are a little bit entitled a little too much sometimes and really need to just shut their mouths. Yeah. Like the whole Tuka Rask thing. They wanted him and uh, Hudobin last year traded, and then he was the savior at the end of the year. Rask is the biggest piece of crap, and then all of a sudden he's the savior again. Come on, people. Like, maybe it is the Patriots that makes them, and I can't believe I said the word because I don't even care about Super Bowl today, but maybe it is because they have a team that wins all the time they're, they got their diaper on all the time. And once they pee in their diaper a little much, they get a little angry. Yeah. And they want to take it out on everybody around them. Because Jimmy Hayes has proven he wasn't a bag of crap. He's gone to a team. He's actually playing well in New Jersey.
2: Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough to play in here. come from here and play here, your expectations are, are that much higher. And you and you really grip your stick a little too hard uh, to, to be the best person out there. And represent your... Yeah, you know, your hometown,
4: but But it, God forbid Mac Reslick has a has a bad game. Yeah. Because oh they're gonna tear him on new one. Well I said I
3: said on Twitter a few times, um if you live in the Boston area, the chances are that if you have a social media account like a lot of the players do, you follow local sports writers and stuff. And if you see someone saying, Oh well this guy's Worth a bag of pucks from a different team, and he's playing like crap, and he can't even score a, go- a like an empty net goal. Then you're gonna get pissed off, and you're gonna get annoyed with the fan base. And but people seem to think that because you're a professional athlete, you don't go on Twitter or Facebook, and you don't, or that you're
4: you're that they're allowed to treat you like a bag of crap because they're yeah. still human beings. Yeah. Plain yeah. and simple. Like, come on now, people.
3: It's just—I I prefer to think of it as—you you never know what's going to happen at the end of the season. I mean, look at Tory Krug when he came in. Everyone thought he was a nobody when he came in in the playoffs, and everyone was like, "Why are they calling this guy up?"
4: Blah blah blah. And then look how well he did in the playoffs. Yeah. So. Or this year, period, since he got, since he's has uh, been back after the injury. Yeah. He
3: has been amazing. And I've seen some people talking about how he's the Bruin's biggest trade chip and stuff. I wouldn't get rid of that guy. Well, not he's, not yet.
2: he's only the biggest trade chip because he doesn't have any entitlements to his contract. So yeah. people navigate to that and say, well, he's the easiest one to move. You don't have to ask him for his list.
4: Yeah. So. I just I mean, never the, understood the urgency to move players all the time. A trade yeah. doesn't always make it better. I've looked. I've tried to when we were talking about it in the group saying, you know, what might be available. And I'm looking and I'm like, this year is just there's not much there. There's some pieces. But, like, do you really want to give up a bunch of pieces to bring in McDonough, who's, you know, he's at the he's at the tail end of his career. He's like what Boychuk's doing in Long Island right now. Disappearing. Yep. You, I, I, you don't want to bring in these pieces and have to give up a lot. To, people say, oh, you need to. Well, no, you don't. It's a new NHL you can get a guy who's you know a sixth year in the league sure but any guy that's got eight years plus I don't think they should go out or sorry I don't think they should give anything in the future to get this guy yeah
3: i I think I'm I read one of the articles uh the new black and gold writer did the other day Thomas Nostrom is it
4: Nystrom, yep. to, yeah, you of all know people know can't to. do the, the 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 uh the Nystrom name,
3: really. Well, I didn't know whether it was Nystrom or Nystrom, fair <laughs> enough. Wasn't sure his Twitter handle's different to his name, yeah. But um, yeah, I read his article the other day talking about um the whole what should the Bruins do at the trade deadline, and he said it perfectly. Depth players, you don't need a top six winger right now, you need a guy who can sit on the sidelines and wait till an injury happens
4: mm-hmm. Yep,
3: because if you mess with the chemistry of this team now and i know we've said it before we don't like the whole chemistry thing but no you too did i love the chemistry thing at the moment it is a chemistry thing but i i don't understand when people say oh this affects chemistry and that affects chemistry and the like everything affects chemistry <laughs> but yeah. like i wouldn't mess with anything with this team i'd bring in players that can sit on the sidelines and watch yeah. until something happens. Yeah. yeah, and at the same time, try and get rid of the guys that aren't doing anything. Because when was uh, What's the guy that we got Post- from Postman.
4: Postman? Postman. I was just about to say, yeah. the two people you got to replace are Postman and Vittorino. Well, there's your two Postman, guys you can replace. Vitrano and Bolesky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bolesky's in the minors. I'm talking about guys that are on yeah. the, the roster right now. You're because you have the other guys that can go up and down when you have those when Achary and, and Marchand go back. You have Vitrano okay. and Postma <clears throat> that you can replace with veterans that can be plugged in. Yeah. And if we like, need them.
3: You, go, you go to a team like, yeah, I know I'm making it sound like it's easy and it's not, but you go to a team like Arizona and you say, look, we got this contract of Matt Valesky. We'll give you him and Vitrano for basically a guy who's the same as Vitrano. And you just look for a different skill set because obviously Vitrano's skill set isn't right for this team.
2: Well, the the worst part about trying to move Bolesky is you do have uh, three million. Well, it's about two point seven million locked up in uh, in bio right now with Seidenberg and Hayes. Yeah. So the only reason, the only way this will actually work to get to have him move on to another organization is if the Bruins retain salary on his contract,
4: or. Which would if mean at the draft, someone wants to move up, right? Yeah, right. you can you can package them in. You can move up all you want, but you're gonna t- you're gonna take. You can have my pick, but you're taking Mac MacKevlesky.
3: But you even can't really move up from thirty though if you win the cup. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a good point. But yeah. you know, it, it, if you got almost three million locked up in bio to an extra one, let's just say one point eight for the sake of argument, that another team would want the Bruins to retain. That's just a lot of just dead money sitting right there with a the cap going up at least five, maybe.
4: Yeah, could... but those those type of deals happen all the time. If the fact that right. like Chris Pronger is on the on the uh, Arizona's um, payroll, you you got Datsuk has been traded. This his contract is not that bad. I really think um, that Sweeney will pull something off at the draft. It's going to cost just to to scare, to scare everybody, but it's going to cost either somebody in our farm system or a high draft pick to move this player. But it would be better off to do so so that you still have the money because mm-hmm. I've been putting – I want to scare the pants off people because it's true. At the end of next year, you have Danton Heinen, Brandon Carlo, and Charlie McAvoy. They are way more important yeah. to re-sign than possibly <clears throat> losing somebody that's in our farm system. I'm, I'm sorry. Just get that done. If you've got to move Beleski. if you've got to move other salaries um, – it could happen. Any big deal that this Bruins team's going to do is going to happen at the tra- is going to happen at the draft. If yeah. they can pull and off getting some veterans at the trade deadline, sure. But anything big is going to happen at the draft.
3: Yeah. The thing is, if the, uh, what I would do, and I know people don't like armchair GMing and all that stuff, but what I would do is, if you end up, say, twenty seventh, twenty 29th, ninth, thirtieth, one of the last four picks in the first round. Look for a team to move into the first round from the second round, like you were saying court. Like, just a team that are dead set on a player that they think is going to go late in the first round. Just ask around and say, is there anyone you need to pick right now? Because if you do, you can have that pick, we'll have your second
4: round, but you take Mark Bolesky. Exactly. And that's yeah. that's and that can definitely happen because it happens at every draft when people move oh, up. Yeah. And we we never understand why people do it. Um, well, um,
3: who was the guy? Oh, it was uh, Bickle that went to Carolina, wasn't it?
2: Yes, In Brian, a similar Brian Bickle. Deal.
3: Yeah, and I'm sure his was one of the one of the ones that was at the at the draft, and it
4: was kind of a you take this pick, we'll take that pick, but you've got to take this guy. Yeah. So it, and his salary is not that bad to move if yeah. david clarkson can get his salary moved to vegas like <laughs> these these huge salaries can be moved so if you look at what's possible unfortunately um and i i've said it before between riley nash and ryan spooner one of them is playing themselves over a contract with the boston bruins next year yeah it, unfortunately and- both of them are playing better than they played in a really long time and it's going to be really hard to be able to keep both of them under the cap. And even Nash, I would be like, okay, I'll bring you back for a one year deal. Well, he's going to probably want some security and want three years. So unfortunately, yeah. he's going to be like gone. I just don't see Riley Nash coming back. And I can see the team, especially the way he's playing, bringing Ryan Scluner back.
3: Right. He's playing in a top six role
4: and he's consistently putting up points. And I, I hate think to they say have this. have to bring him back. The guy that I could see as a young talent that could be moved is. Uh, Anders York.
2: Yeah, that's unfortunate.
4: Yeah. It's, you know, it's like just in, he's, inconsistent. For, yeah. yeah. And it's just been injured a lot. And it's just you, it when it, it the more he gets injured, the more he gets moved down the depth chart. Because yeah. other guys come up and start playing better, and then he gets moved down. And I, I think he's amazing. And I, I don't want him moved. I'm not saying he's getting moved. I'm just, if you look at what happened, the same thing happened to Bertrano. He was playing well, and then he had a couple bad games, and then he went down the depth chart. And those can happen. Danton Heinen was lucky enough to come back up on the death chart, but he was almost playing himself off this team. But Anders Bjork, if he continues down this pace of getting hurt, he could not be on this team. He could be one of those young players that could get moved, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. yeah, It it sucks. I I, I like Anders Bjork a lot. And and that kind of, um, I don't know, I thought it was a cheap shot. Was that Francois Beauchemin? Yeah, yeah. It just kind of like gave him a shot in the arm. So now he's got an upper body injury, and I don't know. I just see injuries this year to be, you know, start the year were just tough, and and now we're getting down to you know time to pump the playoffs, and you just don't want to see anybody, regardless of depth chart or core player, um, you know, injured and down and out. So we hope the best for him to get better. Um Speaking of getting better, I know we touched on it a little while ago, but I, I got to do it anyway. Tukarask Rask, uh, is just, he's 18-0-2 in his last 20. Uh, and his, these numbers are going back to November 29th of 2017. And in that time frame, he's got a 1.5 full of goals against. And I think it's a 938 save percentage, uh, which is obviously best in the league right now. And, um, both him and Hudobin now have the best um goals against as a team at a 2.37 so uh that Jennings trophy Three seven? is it 37 is it
4: 38
2: thank I'm you looking right at it no but I, they pre- were, I appreciate they
4: it they were they were they were that already like they that's how great the goaltending's been
2: well LA is LA's obviously fallen apart the because they were number 1 for the longest time and you know, it's really hate. but I mean, yeah. we we did talk about th- that Jennings Trophy and it, and it kind of being you know they were the third best goals against uh, in the league and they could challenge for it. Well, you know, here's here's a good indication if they if they can keep playing this way to the end of the year that they could possibly share that. That's a great honor. You know, not only that, but you walk away with a Vezina Trophy also. Oh, Vezina. That's, that's well yeah yeah it's right. the word i know
4: sorry i shouldn't correct you that's my apologies <laughs>
2: it's just the way i say things because i don't say anything correctly
4: yes but to cuiss they were they were saying it on like i i don't want to toot the whole hockey night in canada but I, I, I to me it's like church you know i don't go to church but listen to hockey night in canada on a saturday night it's something every canadian does and it's like the epitome like if you if you talk to any player on this Bruins roster who's Canadian, if they get to do the in-between periods like Bergeron did um, for Ken Canada, he got to do the interview, that's a big deal to be that Saturday night game. And all they talked about before the game, intermission, was the play at Tukoras, Patrice Bergeron, and the Boston Bruins. And they've been doing this for about two weeks now. That's all they talk about on how good the Bruins are. They use the words elite to describe Tukoras. They use the words elite team. They used the words "heart trophy" to describe Patrice Bergeron and "guaranteed Selkie trophy." These are the words that I got to see, and it's just ah, sorry. Here, um, it's it's a big deal that the Bruins are now finally that uh, back up there. Like uh, Ty Anderson got to be on uh, the Fan 590, my local Toronto radio station yesterday. I got to listen to it, and it was just awesome to hear them talk Bruins. It's yeah. not. It's usually just Leafs, 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 Leafs. Right. James Myrtle got chastised today on Twitter because he pretty much said the Leafs aren't in the same caliber as the Bruins. And all the Leaf fans <laughs> lost their minds. This oh. guy's a local reporter.
2: Yeah, yeah, he is. And he's a good writer, too. So.
4: Very good for the athletic but, there. And he got if chastised. Bergeron, if Bergeron does
3: win this selfie, does that make him the greatest two-way forward of all time? Well, it will now won the most, like, more selkies in the shortest amount of time uh yeah, they, did a, I, they did a whole feature I'm sure he's missed on two. yeah i'm sure he's missed two in the past like six years
2: he will he will go ahead bob Gainey, by one he's tied with yep. four right now yeah
4: he's so, I, but... I say before i say it again he's first bout hall of famer if he retired today and his number will hang at the, in the boston Garden. and you've got quite a bit of playing time left in him oh yeah, yeah
2: we got about 15 minutes remaining. Um, I, I wanted to touch on some. It is kind of Bruins related, but it's a little more of a league issue. But I want to talk about expansion because uh, over the last weekend during the All-Star break, uh, Gary Bettman did say, he did say it, that if Seattle is to become a franchise, which it looks like it's going to, that they will require an expansion draft. So. Yeah. And so, the same rules will apply. Exactly. So here's my question to you, gentlemen. Which Bruin gets unprotected to make this...
4: Oh, if, oh if, if, if I... it was ha- Yeah, because it's not going to be for two years. They said it won't be next year over the year after.
2: Oh, I didn't even think about that. I thought it was another year
4: away. Well, okay, we can play... Let's play devil's advocate here. Let's say it's it's next year. Even though it's not, let's just say it's next year. And you can only protect the exact same amount of players again. Unfortunately, if you look at the roster... You protect the same guys. I leave McAvoy unprotected. What? Well, you don't have to I'm them. joking. Oh, oh. You, wow. <laughs> you don't have to. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to protect DeBrusque. You don't have to protect McAvoy. You don't have to protect Carlo. But if it's two years from now... You will, yeah.
3: Yeah. And then you look in...
4: The good thing is, Char is goals... Sorry, target to have I love Tori Krug. He will no longer be a Boston Bruin. You leave him unprotected and let him get taken.
3: Chara, Chara's no trade closed goals. He, yeah, Balesi he won't have has one. No trade closed goals in two years. Adam McQuaid's. Does he yeah. have a no trade? No, he doesn't. No, He, no. Awesome. he just, but um, his
4: contract ends in two years. So.
3: Does that
4: has two years left on his?
3: Miller, uh, Miller's
2: got a longer contract, so it's. Yeah, but he's on no trade. Right, both Miller and McQuaid don't have anything on their contracts.
4: He's crazy. No, He's only two I, years left, though Yes, back. but you. Regardless, you've got to take what we we to really look at it. Take what we we protected this year, and then add in Carlo and McAvoy, and then take out somebody. So you're going to take yeah. out Toy Krug and Kevin Miller with the other protected defensemen, and those are the two you leave protect unprotected. So you're going to lose Toy Krug or Kevin Miller.
2: Yeah. See, I I. I
4: go. You're not going to. You're gonna, not going to leave Carlo and McAvoy unprotected. Yeah. It's my, impossible.
2: My two <clears> players <throat> that I would uh, leave unprotected would be uh, Kevin Miller and Adam McQuaid.
4: Yeah, so, but you're going to. Uh, they're going to be left unprotected regardless.
2: Right. Yeah. Right.
3: And they may no longer be Bruins in two years anyway. So. Yeah.
4: If you if we did this in two years from now, which is what it is, you're going to yeah. protect Carlo and you're going to protect McAvoy. You're not going to protect Toy Krug, but you might because Charter's is no longer. Charter probably won't be here in two years, so maybe yeah. the three defensemen you protect are McAvoy. You actually, sure. oh wow, it's yeah. a perfect storm. You get to protect Krug, McAvoy, and Carlo, and Carlo, and you, yeah. yeah, you leave Kevin Miller and Adam McQuaid unprotected. It's actually a better. The only that, thing yeah, is, and, than it, yeah, but then you have here. Here's the caveat. Unfortunately, well, as long as as long as has gone, then Danton Heinen. Uh, or yeah, Danton Heinen, somebody can move into that spot. I guess Heinen moves into that spot as being protected. Yeah. Cause you don't have to, well, no, Jake DeBrus moves into that spot. But as well, you. Oh no, DeBrus wouldn't, he'd be one year away. So he'd be fine. You wouldn't even have to protect him. But
3: as well, like we've had five rookies in the team this year. All of those rookies, we kind of want to protect. Maybe other than Curley, you won't have to. Your <clears throat> contract, yeah, yeah. you don't no, have to. But what I'm saying is, then what if you get three like younger guys come in like next year?
4: So you don't have to protect
3: but, them. Yeah, but they could sign someone that's not needing an entry level deal, and then you need oh, to sure, support. but.
4: Yeah. You, yeah, but I don't see them bringing in anybody To with the, the amount of depth they have. I don't see them going out there and getting another, you know, um, what's his name that we got from Saint, Kenny Agostino? I don't, I don't see them pulling off. And regardless, let that guy be unprotected. Yeah. Because right. if you look at it, looking at the list right now, okay, so Char in two years wouldn't be, you wouldn't have to protect him. So in, you get to keep Krug, unless he gets traded, you know, to bring in Zaboro, you know, based on depth chart. But you'll be able to protect McAvoy. You'll be able to protect Carlo. You're going to have to protect Heinen. But you won't have to protect DeBrusque. You're going to be lucky because he's just going to be – he won't have – I believe it's ECL or a certain amount of games. I think you might be lucky on DeBrusque. Otherwise, you're going to have to choose between DeBrusque and Heinen. Like, oh, that's scary. Yeah,
2: it is. Um, The last question, and this is kind of an important one for me because it it almost seems like the wild card – scenario that the league brought in kind of caters to them like, like certain matchups that they the league wants you know what i mean so the this format was gonna is is installed for two more seasons now there's a lot of talk lately uh on tsn and and sports Sportsnet from the um podcast that i listen to and and nhl network that the league might be going back to the one eight 2-7 uh, scenario to avoid situations like that because it just seems like you're almost playing the same teams all the time.
4: Yeah. So well, it's also, you got teams making the playoffs that shouldn't.
2: Right. So what do you guys think? Do you guys think it go back to the old way or keep the wild card installed?
4: 100% go back to the old way and also please, please change the names of the divisions and the conferences back to the old names please bring back the old names the campbells and the Wales and the uh Adams. the norris and the smites come on yeah bring these and if they did do that if you saw did you see what the who the boston bruins would have in their division It'd be the leafs the rangers the islanders well it's just Montreal that's, Canadians.
2: that's all geographic that's that's what no, works. I know, that makes sense it does. Yeah. It makes perfect sense for traveling wise, in, in a league, in a league seemingly want that wants to save a dollar on on a flight across the you know, across the country. Well, this, Florida's this is, not a long flight. No, I I know, but you know,
4: but, it, it, but Florida should be in the same division as Carolina. Right, I, I totally agree with you. It should be the Leafs, the Devils, the Rangers, the Islanders,
2: the old Patrick, the
4: Red Wings, the oh, jeez, no, weren't they? <laughs> Weren't they the, weren't they the Nor- Norris, Smythe, it was the Patrick?
2: Nor- Norris was Chicago, Toronto, and St. Louis. Detroit and Detroit. The Patrick division was uh, all the mid-Atlantic teams.
4: Yeah, but Toronto stayed. They, I, I'll try and find it while you guys are talking. I yeah. think Tampa, Tampa and Florida come out, and then you have Toronto, Boston, I think New Jersey, the Rangers. It looks scary. Mind you, the Rangers don't scare anybody anymore, but –
3: One thing I want to kind of touch on is, everyone keeps saying the depth of this team is amazing, um, but do they really have defensive depth? Other than Adam McQuaid and Kevin Miller switching out who sits games, do they really have defensive depth if it comes to what happened last year?
4: Oh no, they need a defensive. I think that's the only thing they need to get at the trade deadline, but they don't. Like you were saying before, they don't need they just need a guy they can have up top and if they need to plug him in, they can plug him in. They don't need to mortgage the future to bring in anybody.
3: Yeah. They don't need a Ryan McDonough. They need like a Ian Cole type player. Is that what you mean?
4: Yeah, <clears throat> it's Hulsey, if they were they were saying it on the uh, on hockey night in Canada last night, and as as Mark knows, when when Elliot Freeman says well, that's what the, the water is right now, that's that's what the trade water is. They're saying teams are asking way too much. The trade value right now for players is extremely high for no reason.
3: Yeah,
4: they, they, Like Pacioretty is a first-rounder, a player that can play now, uh, a prospect, and a second-rounder. And they're saying that's just too much. That, that's so, definitely too much. So if they do, so the Smite division, so you were right. If the, the Smite division would be Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, San Jose, L.A., Anaheim, Vegas – And then you'd have the Norris division, which would be Winnipeg, Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, and Arizona. And then you'd have the Adams division, which would be Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Buffalo, Boston, and the three New Yorks. And then you have the Patrick division, which would be Pittsburgh, Columbus, Nashville, Carolina, Philly, Washington, Tampa, and Florida.
2: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
4: Yeah, that's, that's your new... That's your new, and I love the names. Back to the Adams. Oh I yeah, all those names.
2: Bring it back, man. And then
4: look at that. You'd have it. Bought, that whole Adams division would be in a half an hour flight of each other. Half an hour.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Just makes sense. It really does. All right, gentlemen. That is it. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for the constant support. We've been getting killer, killer downloads the past four weeks. We've been up to like 1,300 downloads a week, and it's been awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, another way to support the show is obviously if you see us, uh, uh, our show on uh, on the social media, share it. That's the easiest way. If you'd like to do it financially and look good. We all know our listeners are an 8, but you'd be a 10 if you get uh, some new black and gold hockey podcast uh, gear. You can find that gear at bngshop.bigcartel.com. Or just go to uh, the blackandgoldhockey.com website. We changed that. We took the blog out and shortened it up for people because it just looks better and a little more professional. So remember blackandgoldhockey.com. Find us on Apple iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, Player.fm, anywhere you can find a a Podbean for our um, Android listeners Anywhere we you find a podcatcher, we are most likely available on it. Um, and please stay tuned for my interview with Colin Bestwick, uh, Stanley Cup of Chowder, NHL writer for SB Nation. Court, Rob, thank you again. You guys are always the best, and uh, we'll talk soon. Hey, everyone's fans. As mentioned uh, previously in our program, uh, I'm, I'm psyched to have returning guest in front of the program, Colin Bestwick, uh, colin is an nhl writer for sb Nation's stanley cup of chowder you can find him at c Veswick on twitter colin thank you very much for taking some time today
1: thanks for having me on mark looking forward to it
2: yeah uh so i just wanted to get um get started with uh just some general bruins talk and and uh somebody that we don't normally talk to on a daily basis even though we do do our tweet thing um how do you feel about this team when the, when the season started going 6-7 and, and and 1 to the transition of healthy players coming back into the lineup and where they sit right now as one of the best teams in the NHL? It's a great feeling, isn't it?
1: It is. I, if I'm being totally honest, I did not think the team would be anywhere near as good as they are playing right now. I thought with the young players coming in, maybe um, a playoff team, but it would be a bit more of a challenge. But over the last month, month and a half, they've really put it together. They've integrated different players in and out of the lineup with injuries, and nothing seems to be slowing them down. They're just rolling against pretty much everyone they've seen.
2: Yeah, the um, we we talked about this earlier, but I I, I did some a uh, little bit of research and and counted back the games, but uh, in the last 30 games, the Bruins have uh, gotten points, and they've only lost in five regulation games. That is just absolutely amazing, and their climb up the Eastern Conference is just indicative of, of how this team is, is gelling together and, and, and playing for one another, and it's great, and the, the direction that Bruce Cassidy has installed in these younger players, uh, first year pros, and the core, that's prob- which most have been around since 2011, when the last time the the franchise won the Stanley Cup. It's a good sign that this is going to be uh, a Bruins hockey team that's going to be competitive. I'm not going to say Stanley Cup competitive every year, but competitive for the next six or seven seasons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It seems like they've been set up you know, well for the future. You have to give Don Sweeney and, and Cam Neely some credit for that. I know in recent years, fans have, have been a little upset maybe with the direction of the team, but... I mean you look at the salary cap that's expected to rise and the young prospects they have. They almost have too much depth with some of their players which I mean it's a good problem to have, but they really are they could be set up like you said for for years uh to be successful now like you said, you know, it's hard to to make the Stanley Cup once let alone regularly, but I mean they should be a playoff team for the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah, and like they did uh in previous years. I mean they 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 had a stretch that they were uh, in the playoffs for seven consecutive seasons and which ultimately uh in that time frame won a Stanley Cup uh, for the first time in 39 years but um as a as a reporter that gets uh regular access to the to the locker room and players do you see the or, or feel the difference in the air that this team is just happier and 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 the the train is oiled and ready to go for a long uh, playoff run
1: so objectively i it's my first year covering them so i don't really have a baseline but i will say that uh every time that i've been in the locker room that question seems to come up whether it's from me or or one of the other beat reporters and it seems like a pretty tight-knit group um to a man every player that's been asked has, has had sort of the same answer that there's a different feel in the locker room this year They all seem to be pulling in the same direction Uh, you know in, in the past year or two you heard things about maybe you know the camaraderie not being as strong as in years past or not all the players were buying in that sort of thing but you don't hear anything about that this year you have players like spooner uh who's really turned around his game really been a team focused player even Vetrano, who it's got to be tough, he hasn't uh, had regular playing time up until recently, but even he seems to have bought in, and, and they're all pulling in the same direction. I think a lot of that has to do with the veteran leadership, with Chara and Bergeron and Tuca and so on. But uh, you, you start to get that feeling, and you, you even hear some of the beat reporters kind of saying it too behind the scenes, that you know that this sort of seems like a special team, a special season. So I think you know Bruins fans or not, everyone's probably excited to see just how far this team can go because they're an absolute wagon right now.
2: Yeah, uh, no doubt. Um, uh, the trade deadline's coming up later on this month. I believe it's set for the 26th or the 28th. I'm not sure, but it, it is later in this month. And uh, Don Sweeney came on the record uh, on Nesson in one of the games when he was being interviewed um, before and and did mention that they would be willing to explore trade options do you see a fit out there just in your personal opinion you know you know you don't have to do the whole uh contract match or con- you know money coming in money going out but do you see a fit in this lineup the way that this t- team has shown so much chemistry and 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 words like cohesing um do you see them making a move, even though Don Sweeney has said that he would explore?
1: I've gone back and forth on this so many times, Mark. Uh,
2: <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, but...
1: <laughs> I can see them making um, two, one of two moves. I think it's either going to be something, you know, real minor depth move, maybe for a depth defenseman... Um, Or I could see them actually cashing in some of their their chips, some prospects, um, some draft picks to get either a legit top four defenseman like McDonough from the Rangers. I know Matt Coleman was talking about that last night uh, on Twitter. Or a scoring winger, perhaps, for the top six. Personally, just Colin speaking, uh, I'm not sure I'd break up the chemistry they have right now unless you're getting you know bona fide legit player to bring in but even then the team is playing so well you know they're defensively one of the top teams in the league you know they're scoring over i think three goals a game the you know if you're asking me personally i, I almost say don't mess with the chemistry but you know i'm not i'm not a general manager i'm not uh not smart enough to make those decisions but it will be interesting to see how they move forward at the deadline because like I mentioned before, they have so many young forward prospects in particular that, you know, they're just not all going to be able to play. You see Zarnik got sent back down today. Uh, you have, you know, Sinishin, you have JFK. You know, I think Donato may be coming out uh, after this year. And there just isn't that many spots for them. So they certainly are, are dealing from a position of strength if they do decide to make a move
2: yeah we talked about this early in the program uh, a little bit and um like court and Rob was saying that they would want to make a move for a player that uh is like in the postma uh scenario he's not playing on an everyday basis but a player that is young enough to to be inserted whenever needed uh and for that depth but I don't want to make a trade just for the sake of trading. That's just dumb in my opinion. But I also, want, I also don't want to address the now. I would like to, them to make a move if they have to. And, and if they have to uh, install some, some prospects into it, which I, I'm not a fan of because I'm a prospect guy, um, but I understand how everything works, Is—is is you want to address the long term. So if you want to be a competitive um, team for the next several years, then your idea to bring in players should be that in those players and not just a one-year um, rental. I do not like rentals at all. I, they work, yeah, you know, but that's for another team. Uh, in in the past, and the Bruins have done rentals. It just really hasn't worked, and and with no hopes of re-signing. So. Um, it's either long-term for me or, or just stay the pat. I, I like the way this team looks. The chemistry is good. Uh, they seem to be playing for one another, and, and, and I hope that they can definitely exceed expectations. Um, so, I mean, remains to be seen, but it should be interesting to see what Don Sweeney's going to do.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I'm not a huge fan of the, the short-term rentals either. You know, I know oftentimes NHL teams that are quote-unquote contenders – sort of push the chips into the middle of the table and, and get a rental player to try and go all in. But to your point, I, I think the chemistry is so strong right now. I, if they're going to make a move and if they're going to give up on some of these higher end prospects, you know, in return for that, it better be someone who has term, like you said, building for the future because this this team does have, it seems a, a pretty good window going forward. So I would have to agree with you on that. I don't really want to see them trading away like picks or prospects just to get you know, a couple months from a player here.
2: Um, let's talk about goaltending for a little bit. Uh, it, it, next season, especially, um, how do you feel about the team possibly resigning Hudobin, who's going to want an increase? And, and the cap is going up. But in my opinion, I'd rather see that money be allocated to um, other areas of the team. But On the the other side of the coin, you have Zane McIntyre, who had an exceptional American Hockey League uh, season last year uh, and is not having the same type of season this year. And I had him as basically a walk-in at a very cap-friendly number to be next season's backup, as Hudobin probably won't be resigned. That's just my opinion. But now that... McIntyre really isn't putting up the numbers that he was prior and his limited NHL experience. Does this force the team into possibly resigning who at, at a number that he's comfortable with?
1: Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was surprised this year with McIntyre. I think, uh, when I was on the program last time I mentioned, you know, he looked strong in training camp and all of that. But as you mentioned, he's not having, uh, as great a year, um, as maybe I or others have expected, but I do expect Hudobin back. Um, the issue, I think, with Hudobin isn't so much the the cost. He does make um, probably a little bit above average for a backup. He's making $1.2 million this year. Yep. I the issue with Hudobin is term, um, because I think with how well he's played this year, he, and at his age, he's 31, I want to say he may want a, a two-year deal, especially as a backup to get a little more security. And I don't know if the Bruins are going to be willing to give him the second year option um, for the reasons you mentioned earlier, with they have McIntyre in, in the prospect system and, and some younger goalies as well, Lidar and, and Swayman and so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see if, if, who Dovin's back, and if it's a one-year or two-year, I don't think the dollars are going to be the issue so much. Um, and I think Dobie is is a huge fan of, of living in Boston. He's been on the record as really liking this area. I think he's comfortable here. And frankly, he's pay, played his best hockey here, too. That's something I talked to him probably about a month ago about. And uh, I think he really enjoys working with Tuca, being a, a tandem here with Tuca. So... Long answer to that is that I think he'll be back. My only concern is whether or not the Bruins are going to commit to a two-year deal for a goalie you know, over 30 when they likely want to get their prospects uh, some NHL playing time as well.
2: Uh, you mentioned that you talked to Hudobin about that, that certain topic. Um, is, is that when you changed your, um, your Twitter uh, profile picture?
1: Yeah, probably
2: about that. <laughs> because uh, when I was doing some, when I was uh, researching, well, not research, I already know you, but I had to go to your Twitter handle. I mean, Twitter account to get some information um, on who you write for and so on. But uh, I saw the picture of you in the background as uh, as Hudobin's getting interviewed, so I had to ask.
1: Yep, that's actually Court tipped me off to that photo. Actually, so I have to thank Court for that.
2: Nice, nice. I, uh,
1: I always get cut out of all the videos and, and stuff on Nessun and, and the Bruins' Twitter page and everything. Uh, it's like an ongoing battle trying to get into the video there.
2: Right. Well, you can always do what friend of the show uh, Rhonda, Rhonda McClure does and uh, get yourself like a, a neon green um, mic. <laughs> I love that pink one. She's <laughs> She cracks me up with that thing.
1: You always know where Ronda is. You can see your mic. Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what 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 are your realistic expectations for a playoff run? I mean, uh, I'm I'm at the point. If you ask me, it it's it's definitely to make a a second round appearance, and I think possibly maybe another one. Um, are you one of the Kool Aid drinkers that are are, are already Colin a Stanley Cup final.
1: I won't go that far. Um, I think the floor, the floor of my expectations is they should win, you know, in the first round. Right now the most likely opponent is obviously the the Maple Leafs who before last night the Bruins had lost six in a row to them, but you know, last night without Marchand, without Miller, I mean they really they dominated last night in terms of possession, score, just all around. So I think depending on matchup, I I fully expect them to win first round. After that, you know, that's where it sort of gets tough. I think that they certainly have the skill to put it together and, you know, make it to the Eastern Conference Final or, or even beyond. But, you know, that's a hard prediction to make right now. Tampa Bay is obviously playing really well, and there's a lot of games left to be played between now and then. But I think that the way the team's been playing, I can certainly understand why why fans think, you know, they could be making a deep run. You look at Ottawa last year, and I'll be the first to admit I did not have Ottawa going as far as they did. Um, so I think this Bruins team certainly has the skill and uh, the makeup to make a deep run. But I may wait a little longer before I'm, I'm going on the record saying they're making the cup break.
2: Yeah, I'm going to wait till after the first round, and then I'll call it. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Uh, I saw earlier they have, uh, I think actually the highest odds in a lot of a lot of places attract that to make the uh, the Cup finals too. So seems like people outside of Boston are starting to buy in as well. But uh, like I said, a lot of games to be played between now and then. So we will see.
2: Yeah, there's a ton of talk. We talked about it earlier, um, especially uh, Court. He mentions uh, on on the regular being a uh, Toronto uh, resident that uh it, you know before the season it's it's leafs 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 but this year uh he's been hearing a lot more bruins from um sportsnet tsn and so on kiprios those guys uh, are all really pumping the tires of this team and really like it so um and it's territories that we as bruins fans in the northeast don't always get to when you get to that uh high of um uh, of a uh, um, totem when it comes to uh hockey talk and the the mecca of the you know hockey world so definitely really good to um to see this team and the way they work i i i, I knew that they were going to install a couple few young players into the lineup but not as much as five to seven uh per time and and obviously injuries play a huge part of that but just the the, the way that this team is constructed and the way that Bruce Cassidy and, and Kevin Dean and Pandolfo Sacco, uh, those guys have all just bought into a a plan and, you know, they embed it in the, in the, in the core players and and young talent heads that this is the way we want to do it. And this is the way we're going to do it. And, and the production on the ice has just been simply like poetry in motion. Um, and I just I hope nothing for the best, but it all remains to be seen. There still is a lot of hockey left. There's a tough schedule coming up, uh, especially in March when you play every other game, every other day. So uh, it should be very exciting. So I'm I'm definitely pumped for it. I'm, I'm basically at a loss for words just talking about it. But
1: yeah, I gotta I gotta say I think we may look back on this year when it's all said and done. I think there'll be two storylines. You know, big storylines to talk about, and that's one. The job Bruce Cassidy's done, and and I think he's done really. You know, it's hard to argue with the results. He's done an amazing job. But the other big story, to me at least, that I always keep going back to is, to your point, how many young players have come up, and not just you know gotten NHL playing time, but have been successful. It seems like the team has done a really good job of putting the younger players in a position to be successful. And you know, in, in recent years, that may not have been the case. Um, if you had told me before the year, you'd be playing five, six, seven, eight. Uh, rookies or young players and still being successful I probably would have been skeptical of it but it seems like no matter who's called up whether it's Zarnik whether it's you know whoever they're coming up they're making an impact not only on the score sheet but integrating well with the team and I mean it's a credit to, to Bruce and the coaching staff but also to the veteran leadership on the team I, I've talked to Char about that I've talked to a few people and it, you know, I don't know what it is about the team, but like I said, they're close-knit and, and they're, they seem to be welcoming in the young players and making them comfortable enough to come in and, and be successful, which as a, a long-time you know, follower of the team, it, it's great to see this young talent coming up and, and finding the, su- the success that they are. So it's been fun to watch.
2: Absolutely. Um, Colin, thank you very much for the time. Uh, we're going to let you go. Um, yeah, everybody, please follow Colin on Twitter at CBestwick. Uh, you can also read his uh, work. He's an NHL writer for SB Nation, Stanley Cup of Chowder. Those guys do an amazing job. Colin is, is, is a constant producer of articles and quality content. So please give him a follow, give him a read. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Um, go
1: Pats. Thanks, Mark. Go Pats.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277 at courtlalonde and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.